My guest today is Rishi Kastesai, previous head chef of Windermere Steel Pit and now chef patron at Farland Hall. His previous achievements include winning BBC Two's Chef on Trial and the Rue Scholarship. His other accolades include winning the Craft Guild of Chef's National Chef of the Year Award, and his work has also taken him to some of the world's most prestigious kitchens. Good morning, Rishi Ketch. How are you doing today? Good morning, Anisha. I'm fine, thank you. Lovely weather in here in Carlisle. Uh, I can see. Uh, and no, I, I'm doing fine. Uh, day-to-day challenges, so looking forward to a busy restaurant tonight uh, and then work with the team. Fantastic. So, as you know, my podcast is called Naughty Bites. What's your guilty pleasure? Or naughty pleasure, shall I call it? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I think it has to be a pizza, um, or, and especially from Domino's. I shouldn't be saying that. but <laughs> <laughs> Guilty pleasure, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just just one of those where I can't resist a pizza. So every time I see a pizza of any kind, I'm just like, even if I go to a restaurant and casual dining, I'll always have a pizza because it's it's one of those where so many layers of flavors are put together onto a bread, nice. and all you do is just hold it with your hands and eat. So yeah, that's that's one. Thing. I love that. That's amazing. I like to pick up all my toppings and then like dunk it in chili sauce. I've got yeah. a thing for like crazy chili sauces, and then. Like you said, layers of flavor. Layers a, that's, flavor. That's, that's a nice way of putting it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so as you mentioned about layers of flavor, mm-hmm. um, in life, every aspect of taste progresses and changes. How do you find yours has changed since you started your career in the food industry? Um, I mean, it's about getting used to the different flavors. The thing is that a lot has been dictated by how was my upbringing. Uh, and coming from a middle-class Hindu family, <laughs> it was all about uh, dal, rice, uh, simple mm-hmm. vegetables that been cooked by, uh, cooked by my mum. Uh, but the biggest challenge for me was when I used to go to different five-star hotels in India and work there is to understand what is continental cuisine and then try to get used to the flavors. So it's it's changed hugely, big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I th- mostly it is a constant um, learning process where you keep on tasting different food without uh, sort of saying, no, I don't like this or I don't like that. It's just taste it and then decide whether you like it or not, rather than assuming that this is not going to taste good. Do you find that, you know, having been raised with Indian food, it mm. also took a while because they say that Indian food or coffee or strong flavors has a habit of masking your taste buds and it takes a while for your taste buds to open again if you stop that have you found that by having less Indian food and working with more continental flavors your tongue has kind of blossomed like a flower in, in absorbing more flavors or things like that I, I I really don't know how to put this thing but uh, I think it was more about uh, letting go the old flavors which were constantly hammered on my brain and then just get into uh, what's being put in front of me. I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> uh, my, my first day in France when I went to Institute for Cues for my higher education uh, was a leg of rabbit with a mushroom sauce and parsley. Now, I've never eaten rabbit in my life. Neither I, I, have, I was used to eat any non-vegetarian food. 
uh, but because I was so hungry <laughs> as, <laughs> as I traveled so far, 1,666 kilometers, if I'm not wrong, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had no choice but to eat that leg of rabbit and that sauce, uh, those mushrooms and the parsley that was for garnish. And um, it just, it, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is new. Uh, so uh, for me, it was more about exploring new flavors and understanding how you extract flavors from different ingredients without mm -hmm. using any spices, with less seasoning, and the ba the basics that are formed by using vegetable stock or meat-based meat stocks, uh, as well as oil. So um, I, I personally think I just decided, okay, let, let go, taste, and see how it, how it feels. This reminds me a little bit like the hundred foot journey. You're like one day it was going to come, but yes, it just oh. it's just when you went letting glow of the flavors. Um, do, is there any sort of French book that you live by in mastering your you know the basics, or did you learn all of that at the school? I learned all of that at the school, and uh, you know, wow. the food that I'm doing right now, or I've done always in the past, has always been based on French cuisine. Uh, big mm -hmm. one, uh, using olive oil and butter uh, in 50-50 or in different quantities is very essential to bring the mm -hmm. flavors right. And then, um, you know, the twist always comes from different spices as well as world cuisine. Um, and, you know, world is getting smaller day by day. We've got so much information available. So make yeah. the most of it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, French cuisine and the basics has always been the strongest point. And, Every single day, we go through it, day in, day out. Uh, and uh, it reminds me of my days. <laughs> I think <laughs> all the cues, how, how good they were. Have you cooked French cuisine for your parents and your family? Um, no. <laughs> they can't even eat with fork and a knife. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all this week, we eat with hands. I, I, I have uh, certain, certain aspects of French cuisine I've done for them. Uh, but I don't think so they are ready for those gold or light flavors it has to be spiced uh, up it has to be spiced up yeah that sounds familiar <laughs> with my family um okay so you've lived in many countries in india to france and you did a bit of work in california mm -hmm. and now you're in the uk what is the one taste that always brings you comfort you said pizza was your guilty pleasure but mm -hmm. for example you know me living in spain i miss chai and that's a one comfort flavor, like all the when it's boiling and all the spices are in the air. I love that. It's comfort for me. So what's what would it be for you? Right now, uh, this is going to be um, again I, um, a, a, a big one, and that is going to be Indian street food or chaat. Mm. And it's got to be uh, bail pani puri. <laughs> Those sort of flavors. Uh, and they, I miss them. I miss them dearly. I try my very best to make them in here or to sort of replicate those flavors, but I still miss them. Uh, and uh, again, good story behind it is my me and my mom were uh, very naughty eating those that, that street food, and my dad used to be always like against it because it's unhygienic, blah blah blah, etc. Uh, and he used to find out <laughs> that all and eating those that food. Uh, so yeah, no, I think those are the flavors I miss. I mean, I'm you know on my menu right now. I'm doing a pani puri, but it's made with uh, uh, the liquid is soya and honey dressing. Oh wow! So wow. Uh, 
we, we mix uh, carrot and coriander puree, uh, and then there's a cure corn, which is then salted mm-hmm. for 24 hours. And then you add a little bit of um, onions and carrots, again, mixed through together, like like you're doing a bale or a pani puri, but then uh, put that liquid and then just pop the whole thing in your mouth. I so need to try that. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, these are the flavors I miss. I miss them dearly. And I wish there was something so very close where I can just go and explore them. Yeah, like living, well, being, I'm actually from Loughborough, but my family are all from Leicester. Okay. So, of course, Leicester's what? like, yes. <laughs> I would always eat Bombay sandwiches, um, Bani Buri, Bell, mm-hmm. and um, I have a weakness for Gochori and, and Betty's. Actually, a lot of weaknesses. <laughs> the list gets bigger and bigger. Um, but um, yeah, I can imagine the the myth, like of um. But if you want, if you fancy food, you would have to drive a couple of hours. But Leicester does it really well. Like I, I think my only choice is in Manchester, which is which is closer to us. Oh. A, few, a few places where they do um, Indian street food, and I I was born in 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 a very uh, in Pimpri, so this is uh, near Pune, western part of India. Yeah, yeah. And Pimpri was heavily dominated by um, by by Sindhi, so the so the people yeah. in Bali, and uh, <laughs> they used to make some seriously great samosas, kachori, patties, and uh, uh, my school, my old when whenever I used to go to school, walking that was four kilometers. Uh, but we used to cross through the main street and you have this tiny kiosk where they used to, uh, you know, do all, all sorts of this stuff. So, again, these are the flavors that I miss. Miss samosas. I miss samosas. Cindy samosas. I miss them. I miss well, them. actually, you should go, because you're, you're kind of close to Manchester, you should go to Preston, which is about an hour north of Manchester yeah. in, mm-hmm. in Lancashire. And there's an Indian shop. I've known it since I was a child. And it's called RK Sweets. Okay. And it's the best Indian wedding food I've ever had in my life. Like I literally went for triple servings. They do amazing belpuri and all of that stuff. If you fancy going there, but I do rec- highly recommend it. Absolutely. I mean, thank you for letting me know because I, I am looking uh, to find some authentic Indian ingredients, some of the chilies, etc. So I think that a trip will be worth yeah. it. It will be definitely worthwhile. <laughs> it's very, very good. Because also my family, when they come see me, do bring me a box of, of sweets. So yeah, or like cornflake, jabra, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so, so um, you've answered my second question as well. So, what are some of the standout dishes that you've discovered from the places on your travels, living abroad? Is there anything that you remember? I I would rather say uh, rather than the standout dishes, I'll say ingredients, uh, seafood, for example. Uh, scallops, uh, one of the mm-hmm. beautiful things in the world. Wow. Uh, oysters, not many people like oysters, but um, I can have quite a few, 12 at least minimum. Oh my uh, goodness, okay. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and literally, oyster, lemon juice, and that's about it. Uh, would, would just love them. Uh, what else did I find? I found uh, um, flavors like lamb, beef, chicken, uh, irresistible, uh, the way it's been seared or pan fried, etc. Uh, so the uh, that then helped in bringing up the, the dishes. And um, I think uh, France and the French Indian soup, especially then at uh, Restaurant Paul Bocuse, uh, it has been one of the biggest revelations that how, mm. how can an onion uh, simply cook so slowly can give so much flavor. And then you have this beautiful umami of onion and the cheese mm. all nicely together. 
um, when I was in the United States, um, I think it was more about macaroni and cheese. Again, very much famously done by Thomas Keller in his mm-hmm. laundry restaurant. Uh, simple ingredients, absolutely simple ingredients. Anyone can do that. But the way it was done at the French Laundry was brilliant, uh, very good. Um, then truffle was another revelation uh, and how much it can go so well with so many different dishes, including sweet. So you can even make a truffle ice mm-hmm. if you want to. Wow. Uh, so uh, again, if you if you notice, the more I talk about it, it's not just like one or two or three different dishes. But overall, I just enjoyed living in France, exploring different flavors, then going to Belgium, going to Switzerland, going to Italy. Oh wow! Uh, polenta was a revelation, and I remember standing in a queue in front of a church because they were giving free polenta, uh, and I just got got, got that. And now the Parmesan cheese in that, wow! Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's it's just been a journey full of uh, exploring flavors, and uh, it's very hard for me to pinpoint mm-hmm. is my favorite or that's my favorite, and that's how my life has always been. Even when you ask me about colors, which is your favorite color, I can't really tell you which is a favorite color. <laughs> Every time I see myself, it's always black and white. You know, white chef. Black. <laughs> yeah, black and white. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing black now. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's uh, that's that's how my life has been, and I, I just know uh, it, it, I've been very lucky, and I just love what I'm doing at this stage. I think it's yeah. amazing. Something you just said was um, the polenta had lots of cheese. I think certain dishes you can't make it dairy-free, or I don't even like dairy-free for starters. But I think when you start creating dairy-free options, the dish never works. Mm. And I think traditional certain things like polenta or macaroni and cheese or mm. bechamel, stuff like that, it has to be full on butter or, you okay. know, even it has to be and, and, and full fat cheese. It, it, you, can't, you, can't, you, you can't avoid it. But no, you, you are yeah. right. You can't take the essence of the dish away or uh, mm. of a product away. And uh, what, one thing that I found out is using spices and then extracting the flavor from it and then making the sauces based on French cuisine or French yeah. basics uh, has helped in helped me eliminating quite a lot of dairy in the food. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it, it does work. It's magic in one way or other. But what are basics? And, you know, uh, bechamel, the name is one of the mother sauces. Yeah. You can't really replicate that by using something different. So it's either this way or that way. <laughs> It's, it's true. There is no gray. <laughs> Black or white, there is no gray. But, but you remind me of something. There's a dish that I have in the north of Spain. Because mm-hmm. the north of Spain is more famous for beef and seafood. So if you ever go, I recommend you should go to Cantabria or um, Asturias. Mm-hmm. Um, because the food is to die for. Like It's 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 remarkable. Because like, like Italy, Spain is very regional with their food. So I do recommend it because it's terrain. It rains a lot. So the terrain is just fantastic for mushrooms, for truffles, for beef, um, beans, legumes, all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's this one dish and it's called fabada. It's like fabas. And it's maybe white beans. And you can't substitute the next set of ingredients because that's what adds the flavors. Black pudding, chorizo, and lacon. So like, I think lacon is... Um, um, salted pork i think okay. it's like it looks like pancetta but with more meat right. and um and you soak it and you put it and 
of course, because it's a lot of fat and oils, mm. a lot of oil comes in this dish, but you need the oils to absorb into your, like your beans. Absolutely. But if there's excess oils, you put baby onions in and then the onions absorb all the fat. Correct. I kid you not. It is the most amazing, unhealthy dish ever, <laughs> but you can't, you can't skip the ingredients because every ingredient has a process to that dish. And when you talk about taking with the essence, you take away everything. But I do. And I th- it's, a, it's a very good point you just made with, with the oil that floats on, on the top. And uh, if you've come across many Indian uh, uh, you know, sauces or gravies, mm-hmm. you will always find oil floating on the top. Now, something that uh, every good chef does in India and possibly um, everywhere in the world is to collect that oil and then reuse it when you start the new dish. And then you will see the flavors that, that, that come through. Uh, and that, again, those oils that, that, that float on the top, uh, most of them are the extracts from the spices. Most of them is the oil that you use for cooking the dish. And it has to sort of blend in to get the perfect flavor that you need. So don't eliminate that. No, I use it. I, I do use it when I make meat curry and stuff. Anything that's gone to the top, I, it's, you're making me hungry. <laughs> Um, but I do use it. My my grandma taught me that. Always use oil at the top for other dishes. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, Spain is the country that I haven't visited at all yet. Uh, it's got a lot of great chefs, a lot of Michelin stars. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, you're right. You know, amount of seafood up there is incredible. Uh, so it's it's highly overdue a trip to Spain. I, I think so and please let me know when you do come I'll, I'll I'll give you some pointers but when you mentioned before about Cindy's a lot of Cindy's actually live in Barcelona so there's a fantastic array of um Indian food there wow. and there's a famous place it's super famous in Barcelona always has a queue there's a guy from India created his own jaiwala so people will go queue down this little tiny street just for his chai and it, I was like, oh my goodness. And he does it the proper way of when you like aerate yeah. it. So when you like pour it and I love all the like effervescence mm-hmm. of like tea bubbles and it, it's the best way to drink tea by slurping it. I am, um, but he does do it. And this, this, the Spanish people love it. So the the the, 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 the cues are a big sign. So when you do go, please let me know and I'll give you some, some, some pointers. Um, so um, how are you settling into your new role at Farlam Hall? It's been three months, you said, so congratulations as well. Thank you. Yes, Farlam Hall is uh, is a challenge. Um, and as a chef patron, it's even a big role because previously it was all about the kitchen, restaurants and the staff working there. But now it's all about everything. So I need to have that 360 degree vision. Uh, and I'm learning a lot. And in first two months, um, you know, uh, we've done a hell amount of work to make sure that uh, when our new menus were put forward on the 1st of April, uh, that they are in line with what we want to do. Uh, But the biggest uh, uh, compliment goes to the staff at Farlam Hall who were there before my arrival uh, and the way they have embraced the change and the way they have stood up for the challenge that, okay, if this is what we want to do, let's go for it. And now they are enjoying uh, this new style of service, this new style of food. And that's the whole point. I mean, the vision or the goal is very simple. It's based on three simple principles of good food, great wine, and incredible hospitality. 
and uh, food and beverage will be our strength uh, no matter what happens. We've got some seriously great, great, great rooms in here, uh, mm-hmm. including uh, residents or cottages. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. So it, it, there's a lot to learn, and I wish there were 48 hours in a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not. It, it is not. So time again. And then um, the other part is to uh, is, is recruitment uh, to increase the team uh, for the business mm-hmm. challenges, uh, marketing, PR, for example, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, reception, reservation becomes an important part because we want, want to make sure that uh, all the basics of Raleigh and Chateau, Pride of Britain, uh, uh, A, hospitality, they all are met because we want to give really good five-star service to our guests and, um, you know, slowly and steadily uh, want to reach uh, reach the goal where, where, wherever it will be. So, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think I'm excited. But, you know, um, Farnham Hall has their own kitchen garden. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular seasonal or unique ingredient to Cumbria that you're looking to put on the menu or excited to put on the menu? Not, not uh, as a as an ingredient particular to Cumbria, but something that will suit the style of food that we are doing. Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, you know, our food is is very uh, based, heavily based on French classic basics. Then mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's the idea of just using the spices in world cuisine and then bringing back something extra or the twist. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as other producers concerned, seafood or meat products, uh, most of it is just literally 10 to 15 minutes away from where we are. Um, and then kitchen garden, it's all about uh, utilizing the expertise of the gardener, uh, giving the gardener the list of what we would like to have in spring and summer, for example, mm-hmm. and then accordingly start, uh, you know, drawing the menus. So okay. the idea is to highlight an ingredient from the kitchen garden on the plate. Uh, and honesty is the best policy. So if you say if, if, if the carrots are on the plate, if I have to make a carrot sauce or a carrot puree, I won't be using it on the kitchen garden. The carrot, I'll have to buy it from somewhere else. Okay. Uh, but but uh, the rest is all. Uh, so, yeah, um, there's a lot that is coming up. You know, beetroots, turnips, strawberries, raspberries, gooseberries, uh, spring onions, uh, spinach, baby spinach. After it was wow. the house for baby spinach so that I can make a mm-hmm. tempura of baby spinach as a, as a canapé or snack. Uh, then uh, we have got uh, leeks that are still growing. Rhubarb has just finished. And okay. surprisingly, uh, next month, I'm going to have asparagus. So, oh, wow. Uh, oh, will it be having white or green? It will apple. be green because um, it, it will be uh, above the ground. Uh, okay. So it will be green. White asparagus, you have to constantly it's cover it. Yeah. Uh, but no, it will be green. Uh, but that's quite surprising. And I, I don't know how much produce I'm going to get, but as, as, as much as I'm told, uh, it will be somewhere between to 300 to 500 sticks. So not wow. not huge amounts, but still yeah. it's, it's usable. So yeah, make the most of it. Make the most. It helps for it helps uh, the entire team. Uh, yeah. The staff is always out there. We also pick some edible flowers. We've got all the micro herbs. So oh, nice. It's it's a it's a very very good uh, you know good good thing to have kitchen garden. Yeah. Absolutely, because it gives you inspiration for other things mm. coming the next season. So your work showcases culinary in the perfect art form. I've seen some of your images. I've seen some of your TV clips, and it's fantastic, mm. like fantastic. 
Um, but now that you're this head chef, you, you, you have your own team, do you think there is a parallel between cooking and teaching um, when directing Farnham Hall's like cuisine under your leadership, you know, in the way you teach them and advise them on every aspect of the job? Um, yes, it is. And teaching is very important. Teaching in the sense, uh, the vision that you have, if you're not clear in communicating that vision to your team, I don't think so. You will ever, you will be able, able to achieve or have a team. Uh, yeah. So the idea is to um, give them the necessary knowledge that is required to make a dish and don't help hold back anything uh, because mm -hmm. nothing is yours. Uh, it's yeah. everybody's. So that's, that's how the, the philosophy is in the kitchen. Um, the, the important bit is that uh, the flavor profile of every, in, of every uh, preparation uh, is, is um, something that we test constantly. So it doesn't matter if the position of the chef is head chef, sous chef, or no. chef Rati. Whenever they do something and it's finished, uh, it is our responsibility to go on, to go on taste uh, for several different reasons. But the most important reason is memory. Uh, mm -hmm. And the once once you say that yeah, this is this is good, the seasoning, everything, everything is balanced perfectly. Whoever has prepared that, they can sort of create some memory in their head that, okay, this is what we want constantly. Uh, same okay. with, with our breads. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it took us around seven to eight different trials to, to find the right type of flour, to find the right amount wow. of hydration, uh, the yeast content. Uh, so uh, as, as you can clearly see, it's, it's a constant uh, sort of a way to communicate and then keep on developing the chefs. Uh, so okay. we, are, we are learning every single day. Uh, and for me, it's very, very important that I teach them all the knowledge that I have. If I don't mm -hmm. know something, I'll just say to them, look, I don't know. If you ask me about molecular gastronomy, how you do spherifications and stuff like that, no idea. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to the basics, yes, uh, I know what I'm doing. Fantastic. And so you've been in the UK for a while now, and are mm -hmm. you, you're understanding the vegetables and the seasonal produce. What do you think the misconception is with UK food? You know, people come to UK and go, oh, my God, it's fish and chips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when you talk about the produce and the restaurant, you know, the menus have at your restaurant, mm. what have you learned about UK produce apart from the fish and chips or oh. pies, which I love? <laughs> so. Oh, lo love fish and chips. Love the pies. <laughs> <laughs> anything with uh, pastry i'm there <laughs> uh, well, no i think i think it's the, the, if it's a misconcept it is some sort of like stereotypical way of saying that okay if you go to the united kingdom all you're going to have is roast beef and fish and chips and that's about it and there was a time in the united kingdom when um the culinary scene was really poor uh, and thanks to the rue brothers michelle uh, and albert rue who sadly have passed away uh, they decided to have the Rue Scholarship on, which allows a chef to sort of explore uh, more into three Michelin star. Uh, this is how I got a chance to go to California uh, to, at the French Laundry when I won the Rue Scholarship. Uh, but then uh, the chefs have taken it on board. They have listened. They have observed. And I think the UK culinary scene now is um, it's sort of bursting with a hell amount of talent that is coming from all parts of the, of the United Kingdom. We are in Cumbria, and Cumbria has got the most Michelin star restaurants outside London. So there's this, it's a county that yeah. is, uh, it 
has got now 13 Michelin stars. Wow. Brilliant just to see it. And what could be the reason behind that is, is purely is the acceptance of that we need to evolve as chefs uh, and we need to uh, accept all the challenges of uh, you know sustainability, understand where our food is coming from, educate our diners, our guests, very, very important, and highlight everything that is in that air that has that makes sense on on, on the menu so uh, it and, and it, it's going on everywhere now in the united kingdom so i think uh, uh, somewhere down the line what has happened is the french chefs want to come to the uk and learn from the british chefs which is nice to see uh, there's a lot of people coming from the united states as well as australia uh, to, to learn about uh, the cuisine so there is no I don't think so. There is something that is called as British cuisine, but what I say is more than British, uh, and that is purely understanding uh, what needs to be done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we are in, in the best time right now, and I think long it may continue. I think so. I think it's, it's something you said as well. Um, I think you, British cuisine for me is more cross-cultural because mm. each chef comes from different parts of the world and they have their little tip, like... Um, touch on their specific dish and i think that's what makes british food british food if that makes sense yeah british food that makes sense and um you know there is also a um, imagination but also uh there is a character from the chefs to sort of they dare to to put something on the menu uh that is out of ordinary Uh, i mean you know fallen all is a british country country house from 1870s and then all of a sudden you come and you start seeing tandoori beef wellingtons, which is not wow. all anywhere. So yeah. um, it, uh, it, it's it's something uh, a public is also ex- accepting. The, uh, they want to explore more different flavors, and that's the diversity of British food. And I think I think it's think so. brilliant. It's brilliant. Absolutely. So if you had the opportunity to write a memoir through the lens of food, what stories would you want to include? <laughs> oh god there's a lot of stories <laughs> give me your top three <laughs> top three uh, uh the, the, the <laughs> top three uh will be uh i think it, it will be my time and answered for because when i was doing this uh sugar sculpture and learning patisserie uh, <laughs> and it, it miserably failed um, because I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> I think it was more about how much pressure you apply while you're sticking so many different elements of sugar, full sugar, uh, poor sugar, etc., and then making your pudding to go on top of. So it's like a display. Uh, so I, I failed really badly. And then my chef, uh, French chef, who came and said to me, Jesus, all you're doing is shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw him bring my sugar work together, like as if he's a magician. Wow. Uh, so uh, that has uh, that has always sat on, uh, you know, in my brain that how amazing it was. Second one is again, I won't call it as a disaster, but it was more of a, a, a quick thinking uh, uh, when when I was running out of potato mash in in my previous place, Lucknow. Uh, and I had no idea. Chef was not in the best of the best mood. So I needed to have that potato mash somehow or other. So I microwaved the potatoes, um, which is not heard of, but it did work. 
and I got a pat on my back saying that was one of the best potato mash you've ever done. Uh, and then other memoir, if I have to write, I think I'll write the memoirs about the competition, about the Rouge Scholarship and the National Chef of the Year and the dishes that I had to cook there, uh, including the pressure of preparing for the competition. Mm. Uh, but then uh, it, I, I, again, I'll say this thing that uh, anyone, any chef, take part in competitions, you will learn so much about yourself. Don't worry, worry whether you win or not, but you learn so much about yourself. So, yeah, these are the top three things. Two of them sort of disaster. One of them, how to pull myself out of uh, something that is wrong. And then uh, two about being competitive in nature. Wow, I do like that. I, I, I wish I got to see your sugar sculpture. I think it would be amazing. It was a, it was a butterfly. <laughs> it was a green <laughs> butterfly. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've always said, I think um, IMAX has come up with the slogan called Think Big, if I'm not wrong. Okay. And I, I didn't knew that. This is way back in 1999 when I was doing this butterfly. And I, I wrote on my green butterfly, uh, Le Ponce Grand, which means Think Big. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it didn't, didn't work. Uh, <laughs> it was a simple butterfly, but the way he stuck it back again, literally like a magician as if his hands had some sort of glue magic and then one two three four and he looked at me saying oh voila it's ready i said yeah you know what I'm doing. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's amazing so how important is sensuousness and physicality uh, to you in food Ooh, uh, can you rephrase that can you put it in a um, different way yeah, yeah. so like when you see food, mm -hmm. you know, like senses, the sensuality of food, okay. how important is that for you? Oh, God. Um, well, if that's the, uh, the best way to put it is that when you are um, eating food or when you look at food, all, all your senses are involved. That is, mm -hmm. that is the truth. Uh, the, only, the only sense that gets involved in last is the touch. Now, if you're eating with, your, with, with fork and knife, um, uh, it will be the mouth that will be feeling the sense of whether mm. it's hot, cold, crispy, crunchy, soft, etc. Uh, but if you are born in India, which I was, I am, and, and you eat with your hands, that's the that's the first thing that you will get. That you mm. will get. So I think it's really important that all the senses are are involved when you are cooking, as well as when you are giving that experience. And I think that makes the best experience because mm. then. The food, no matter what kind of food you cook, no matter what ingredients are in there, it will be always, it will always work with your body because you're happy. And it's really, really important to reach to that state where you feel happy. Um, and I think that's, that's the best part. You know, uh, the body is incredible. Um, mind and body is incredible. Mindfulness is a big thing that is going on. And same is the case when you're eating food. Instead of, counting calories instead of thinking about the amount of butter that's in there or instead of the amount of seasoning that's in there just enjoy the experience and then you will see mm -hmm. the it does to your to your health uh, of course mm -hmm. you're not going to eat heavy food or food loaded with cheese butter etc every single day it's common sense uh, yeah. but when you come to dine in a certain place yes you do so yeah uh, all all the senses are very very important and, and, and again, when we construct a dish, it's also exactly the same. Uh, a mm. dish will have certain basics and certain textures, flavors, temperatures, 
uh, because that is going to give that wow experience. You know, yeah. the word umami, which is Japanese, that is a, a flavor that you just don't know, but you want to ke- want to have it more and more. Uh, cashew nuts for me is the best way to explain umami. You eat one, then you eat another, or <laughs> Pringles crisp. <laughs> Once yeah. you pop, you don't stop. The, the slogan is fantastic. <laughs> by the time your tummy says, "Oh God, I have so many of them," uh, so yeah, I, I, I think um, yeah, it is it is important. All the senses should get involved, uh, and service plays an important part to how you mm-hmm. everything, how the dish is presented in front of the guests, how it's explained, how the sauces are poured. Everything is important. Awesome. So, in your opinion. Do you think your personal identity has kind of shaped your signature style in cooking, or would you say it's everything you've learned from your experience in the cooking schools? Um, I, I'm still finding myself. I'm still finding that identity. Um, I have created dishes uh, by a lot of research uh, mm-hmm. and understanding the flavor profiles. Uh, so as a chef, I have evolved quite a lot, uh, matured quite a lot. <laughs> there have been times where, <laughs> uh, you know, on a plate there used to be a, around six to seven different elements. And now wow. it has come to a stage where it's just three. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's about it. So, uh, and, it, and it happens when you start tasting the food and you start looking at food, you're like, you don't really need so much on, on play so in that way i've evolved a lot but uh if you want if if i want to find my identity i think still there is some more time to mature i mean people know our guests diners those who have heard what i have done in the past they know that if you're going to come to Farland hall and you can taste rishkesh's food expect spices expect chili uh, expect something that is different expect a touch of say japanese cuisine here with mm. uh, with classic french so they they know that but still for me that it's a long way to go um when i say long way to go i think it, it, it will it will come but now as a chef patron the freedom that i have to explore uh is is huge the mm. style of service that i want to give to my guests is uh again very different very classic I believe in simplicity, but that simplicity should have class. Uh, and that, that starts with even the uniforms we wear, uh, you know, the fiber, the cloth should be of the supreme quality. The stitching should be absolutely brilliant. Even, you know, when the guest or anybody is seeing you, they, they should say, wow, that stitching was amazing. Uh, so it's, it's, a uh, this is this is the start of it. I think so. And I think this, this will help me in finding, finding my identity. Uh, how long it will take, I don't know. But I think I've got the team, uh, and I think uh, I have got the backing from from everyone, from the team, from the, the support that I have. So, mm. fingers crossed that we will find ourselves on a good journey. Uh, but that, that I'm looking forward to. Like it's it's nice that you've included the entire experience as the identity as you know the influence and i think a lot of people just go oh, it's just the food but i think it's the entire process it know. is and please don't uh, i mean again i'll say this thing yes food is important on the plate yes the stars and the roses mm. and all the different accolades are awarded for food but 
please don't forget your team. It's really yeah. important. And that's just not the kitchen. Uh, yeah. I always say this thing, our gardeners, they landscape garden, when they keep the area nice, clean and tidy, when the guests arrive to eat food, the first thing they are greeted by what is outside. So if yeah. that is dirty, uh, th that's not the best thing to do. Our reception team, when they open the door, they smile and that's the, the, the warm welcome that they get. And that is yeah. very important because that puts you at ease, that puts the guest at ease, that okay, we are expecting something really good in here. And, this, and then to follow is the, the service, the restaurant team. And those guys yeah. are incredible, you know, carrying the trays all the time from one or from the kitchen to the restaurant, doing the same thing every single day. But that's mm -hmm. the passion. And I've always said that just lifting the plate and putting in front of the guests and explaining what you're doing, that's not service. There's much more to it. You've got to feel yeah. it. You've got to feel it from inside. You've got to feel those flavors. And every day, You've got to do exactly the same. So, uh, so there's, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone, housekeeping, everyone is involved in this thing. So the Mishnah Star is, or any any accolade, is just not for the chef. It's for everyone. Everyone's a winner. Yeah. It's it's funny you said that because you, you know as soon as you drive into that location, you're looking at everything around you. Go, oh my god, now I'm on holiday. People will literally say, I'm on holiday. I feel relaxed. It's beautiful. And you go in. It's the whole process. And you reminded me because when I was looking for my venue to get married mm -hmm. I, I, I was so like stubborn and I was like I want to be married by this like this, this brand of hotels and there's this beautiful beautiful old chalet where I live mm -hmm. but every time I drive past it I'm like they never paint the walls there's rubbish at, like you know dead debris of leaves outside and the flags of the hotel they're always ripped and I was like I don't want to get married here. And then when I to the other hotels, there was all fixer-uppers and I was like, I was blown away by the image, but then mm -hmm. it was the quality that I was like, not getting married here. And then when I finally found that final hotel, me and my husband at that time, well, fiance at the time, were like, we saw the Sierra Nevada mountains. Mm -hmm. And there's a, in, that, in that moment, we both went, hang on. And relax, and I went. This is the place, and it was the best place. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a feeling, yeah. It, it is a feeling. It's it comes feeling. from within. It, it comes from within. And I think that's Absolutely. that's what I call as incredible hospitality. Is is it's a feeling from within. Um, there is no way I can teach you, or I can teach anyone um, hospitality in a, in a way. I can guide them, but it needs to come from within. It's a job. It's a passion. Yeah. To serve someone, even though they are paying money. But to serve someone is one of the biggest things you can ever do in, in, in life. And if you're going to make them happy for that, wow, yeah. amazing. Then it's amazing because it will click and that is it. So I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and you've made me very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for having me and uh, thank you uh, for asking me all the questions. In fact, it has brought quite a lot of good memories. <laughs> That is my and, uh, pleasure. It's, it's just one of those. It reminds me every time I do these interviews uh, or I speak with someone, it reminds me that uh, just by speaking, it's not going to happen. You, you, you practice what you preach and uh, it constantly keeps me on, on, on the toes. So I just hope that, uh, you know, Right. This is the right time to. This is an amazing episode. I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>